This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is March 3rd, 2023. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. I am Philip Harwood, and I was at Hofstra Radio from 1985 to 1987. Okay. And what shows or programs did you work on or any departments you worked in? I primarily announced the news and the uh, segments of classical music. And I coordinated and wrote and hosted a weekly program called Soundtrack. And that was a, a program that celebrated the art of music and film and theater. And I say coordinated and wrote and hosted. Um, I never learned how to engineer at Hofstra. Oh. Yes. So that's, that's the shocking part of, probably the shocking part of this interview is I never learned how to engineer. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll explore that a little bit. Other than okay. producing that show, did you have any titles or positions at the station? Uh, just announcer. Okay. Did you have any nicknames or on-air personas on the station, or did you just use your own name? I used my own name. Now, one of the um, students who I've been friends with since junior high school, we're still friends today, is Walter Ennis. Mm -hmm. And he would sometimes call me by the nickname my father had for me, Flip. And to this day, he still calls me Flip, which is before Flip Wilson, it was Philip Fast. So he was really the only one who called me by that nickname. But other than that, I was always Philip Harwood. Oh, that's fun. So what brought you to the station the first time? And if you could describe for us, for those of us who weren't there at the time, do you remember walking into the station, into the studio or the office, or maybe some of the people that you met? What was the station like when you got there? Well, the, the way that it started is that my friend Walter had transferred to Hofstra from another college about a year before. I had transferred over from Nassau. And I was a new student at Hofstra. And I had transferred to Hofstra primarily because of its English program and also because I had started working um, an early job in, in publishing. I was working for Doubleday and Company in Garden City in their book club promotions department. So I was working there at night and I went to school during the day. So Hofstra was just conveniently located uh, where I lived. And plus I enjoyed uh, or really liked their, their English program. When I um, saw Walter on campus, uh, he had mentioned that he was involved with the radio station. And I also met his then girlfriend, Barbara Lyons, who's now his wife. She's now Barbara Ennis. And I, at first, I, you know, I said I would like to get in involved. Um, I started by announcing. When I first entered the station, and again, for many of you who may not be familiar, familiar with what it looks like now, uh, what it does look like now is completely different than when I remembered it in 1980 it was like late 84 85 is it was downstairs in where i don't know if you remember bits and bites mm -hmm. the restaurant and in that building so downstairs was the communications department and the radio station i think maybe the, the office was upstairs but that was where the station was it was dark uh you know there was music playing when i first entered the uh the studio I'm trying to remember the person I first met. It was one of the students. Uh, I think he was one of the the student engineers. Uh, he had sort of brunette, spiky hair. It wasn't Tim O'Connell. It was actually another another uh, student. And I can't think of his name, but he was the first person who engineered when I went on the air. The way you started is that you everyone was obligated. You had to 
announce on the classics. You already you always had to do that. And then you did the news. And I'm sure the way you got you get your news now or when you were a student is a lot different than the way we did it. We got it over the teletype machine, mm-hmm. the AP wire. And you'd rip off the news and you, you know, you read the news, the read the copy, you'd edit it so that it sounded like you were reading a news report, not just something that you read off the AP wire. Um, and that's really how I started. I started primarily by announcing on the classics, um, reading the news and announcing on the classics. Before you came to Hofstra, were you aware of the radio station? Yes. As a matter of fact, I used to listen to a program that was on Thursday nights called the swing years. Mm-hmm. And it was, I believe Lloyd Roush was the host right. and it was a weekly big band program. Uh, they, I believe during Hofstra used to have a, a radio marathon and they did a whole tribute to Bing Crosby. But I remember Thursday nights uh, and I thought he was an older man. Lloyd Roush seemed like an older person who did this program, and I've always have been into nostalgia since I was a child. So I met him at a radio, um, old-time radio convention, Friends of Old-Time Radio, and he was a lot younger than I imagined. But that was really my first interaction with, I think it was even then WVHC before it became WRHU. So I think just before I graduated from high school or just like when I started college, it had become WRHU. So you were in high school and you had gone to this uh, event and you met Lloyd. So you were aware of Hofstra Radio. Is well, right? I met him when I was in co- I was a freshman at Nassau and I had gone oh, to this okay. friends. But it was like at that point that I met him. OK. Now, in high school or earlier, you mentioned that you're into nostalgia. Were you into radio or broadcasting? Did you have an idea that you liked that field? Yes. As a matter of fact. A couple of things. First of all, in high school, I was a member of the, I went to West Simpson High School and Walter was at in my graduating class. Um, I was a member of the WHBT, the West Hempstead Broadcasting Team. Oh, so wow. I would read, read the announcements you know, over the PA system. You do the, the, the news, the, the P, uh, PA system. Uh, we had a, a social studies teacher named Frank Sconzo and he used to call me the Howard Cosell of West Simpson High School Broadcasting Team. So <laughs> even though I never did the sports, I always just read the news. That what we did with that was you got the news from the New York Times, and then there were these summaries, news summaries, and we'd you know read off the news that way. Um, but as far as an idea for a program, like I would tell Walter and a few other people that I had this idea to do like a Joe Franklin type of show. Joe Franklin uh, did a show called Memory Lane on WOR for decades you know he was mm-hmm. always on he had a television show and he was like the guru of nostalgia and you know, I, I don't know if you remember billy crystal on saturday Night live he used to do a parody mm-hmm. of joe franklin so joe franklin used to have guests and he'd have these guests out- outrageous guests like you know here's the king of wallpaper he was amazing and like, he would like really <laughs> talk up these guys these people and i had this idea of doing a nostalgia program and i used to make these cassette compilations of different nostalgia or, you know, big bands and uh, popular vocalists from the 30s and 40s and even the 20s. And Walter would always say, oh, you had this idea about doing this nostalgia program. And so that was like the beginning of like, I wanted to do something like that. So I always had this vision, like I wanted to do a weekly radio show with, um, with recordings. 
Oh, that's fun. What was, were there members of your family that liked this kind of programming or music, or was it just something that you were drawn to for whatever reason? My father especially was always, and he liked the fact that at like eight or nine, I was exploring their record collection, taking albums from the library. Um, I just lectured on Gershwin the other day at a temple in Great Neck. And I spoke about the first time I heard Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, my father's favorite recording of that was a recording made by Jose and Amparo. That was his sister's, a Turby. A Turby was, uh, was a, like these Red Seal 45 RPM records. So I started discovering the music through the, the 45s my parents had, the LPs. My parents belonged to the Reader's Digest um, record club where you'd get these 10 record sets of you know different um, different types of music. But I was getting into that. And I have a brother, I have one late brother, one brother who uh, got into film music when he was in high school. So I started hearing his music and then with the classical music with some of the late 19th, early 20th century music sounds like film music. So there was that uh, there and then Fantasia, Walt Disney's Fantasia was being re-released in 73. So there were all these elements that, that got me into um, music that I'm still into today, but it was at you know, that young age, I was also getting into musicals because that's entertainment came out in 74. So I was, right. my eyes were open to, to MGM musicals. So you can imagine me on the playground at school talking about Busby Berkeley and Wagner and Beethoven. It was, you know, it's like the music that I like then I, I like now. I love that music now. So I wanted to get back to get first arriving at the station when you, you talk to Walter and, and Barbara and say that you want to go down, you go down to the station. Was there any training process? Did they tell you how to announce on the air or how to prepare? And why didn't you go to engineering training? What was that about? I, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Like I never, I never had engineering tra training and I think it was primarily scheduling where I could have, um, I could have had taken it as an elective because I took Jeffrey's class on uh, the history of radio um, I think Walter got after me about that. Like, you know, you never learned engineering, you know, you know, and I think people didn't, it was, everyone was so busy with class schedules and the programming schedules that it never came to be that, you know, I was there during the day and then I would go to, to double day to work at night. So I was there at double day from five or six, depending on my shift until about 10 or 11 at night. Mm. So I, and then plus I had classes, so it was hard, um, where I could have, I guess, you know, I could have, um, but as far as training, there really wasn't, it was just more like hold your finger across, uh, away from the microphone so you don't pop your peas. So I always right. do this when I'm in front of a microphone, so I make sure I'm not popping my peas. And, you know, it's interesting, there's a recording of Al Jolson singing Liza where he pops his peas at the beginning of the recording, and I think, oh, he should have just held his finger away like this. <laughs> but that was like my only training. There was no... I think that some students had problems with the pronunciation of composers or they had this issue when, because we were, we were playing LPs then we were playing records, right. you know, we, we didn't get into CDs until 86, 87. So, you know, there was always this thing where, when does it end or why does it, why is it quiet? Then it starts up again or that type of thing. So, you know, there's a lot of um, students looking at the turn, the turntable, looking at the record service to see, Oh, is it almost over? Oh, is there, Oh, it's two minutes. Okay, that's two minutes. They would look at the space between the, the cuts of the album. But as far as training, there really wasn't uh, there wasn't training that I was involved with. 
Okay. I, I, I think it's, it's, if memory serves, when I talked to Walter, I don't think he announced very often. I think he was primarily behind the board engineering and you guys are friends and you, you didn't do any engineering. You did announcing. Right. Now behind the, he was behind the boards, but he also was involved in a lot of promotional stuff. I remember, you know, he was involved with the bangles. Like he was, uh, I think he was promoting them at the station where he had gone to see them and they were brand new. And I remember he was you know, very much into that. He was more involved in promotion. Um, he's behind the boards. I never heard him announce. Uh, I know Barbara announced she right. was involved and she was also program director. And I have an award. It's like actually in one of my archival cabinets, but I actually received an award from Barbara. She actually has her name signed on it for best programming or programmer of the year or something like that uh, for soundtrack. But as far as Walter, I never really saw him behind, you know, announcing. Right. I think I've heard, I've heard recordings of him announcing though. Yeah. I think he did a little bit, but that, that wasn't his, his main interest. So I yeah. just, it's just interesting that you guys knew each other in high school and one went one direction and the other went the other way. And, uh, and there you were. Do you remember getting on the air the first time? And if not the first time specifically, do you remember anticipating or getting ready to be on the air? The first day that was really my first shift on the air is the first day getting on the air. The news was already printed out. So I actually, and I was told, this is where you get your news. Here's the mic and you're on in 10 minutes. So I, you know, it was, there was no rehearsal. There was no practice. It was just, hi. <laughs> and I, you know, I read the news. I think I was a little tense. I, you know, it, it, just being on, on the air live for the first time. And this is, again, this is live radio. Yeah. Um, soundtrack we did it on tape we did a you know reel to reel i have some of the cassettes of those broadcasts we started as a half an hour then an hour those are primarily taped so you know i always say like when i did the show i sounded part of the expression i sounded constipated because i'm reading copy and then playing three selections and then going back and telling what you know what people had listened to and then going back to the next set of of, of selections but we we're confined to that hour or that half hour we were half an hour then we went to an hour but being live though that's just even though it's fun but it's you're very tense uh-huh did anybody give you any good advice or uh words of wisdom to help you get comfortable being on the air i think kit had always said you know be you know smile smile and also don't sound so somber that was always the thing that she would say you're, you're too somber you said like i said before you're like you're announcing on a funeral <laughs> did did you find a moment or a time period or was it after a little while that you you started to feel comfortable on the air that you thought okay i know what i'm doing i feel i feel good about this i felt very comfortable i mean just like after the second or third time um i felt really comfortable being on the air. And then also there was a woman at the station who was involved in the classical programming. We used to have a whole library of albums of LPs. And I think her first name was Carol. Okay. It was Carol. And I would actually sit with her. We'd have conversations. And then I would actually ask, I said, can I program this hour of, of classical music? And there was one day where I actually programmed six hours of the music of Dvorak. It was like a birthday marathon. Mm -hmm. And I remember Jeff Krauss made a comment 
like you know he's a great composer but i think i think six hours is a little too much i think (laughs) you would always i can tell you things that he would say like um we did promos we did the carts the promo carts for programs so i did a, a promo for a soundtrack and i think i wrote this in one of the uh in the questionnaire that um, my promo comes on and I say, this is Philip Harwood and welcome to Soundtrack, the program that celebrates the art of music and film. So Jeff had a way where he was at his desk and he was working on something. He didn't look up. He said, Philip, you sound like you're from Boston. Philip Harwood. Like he just like, just <laughs> didn't look up and said, you sound like you're from Boston. You know, I'm from Long Island, but you know, right. it's just the way that it came out. That's and there was another time when he was doing a, they were doing like a radio version of Star Trek. And he had asked me, he says, do you want to take part? Do you, do you ever watch Star Trek? And I said something like once in a while, like I like the films, but I, I like once in a while, I remember him rolling his eyes like, oh, <laughs> he had a very droll sense of humor. He, he, he sure but a great did. Man, though, great, great. And also so well knowledge knowledgeable in the whole history of broadcasting. That's why his, his class was great. I, I took him for one class and that was history of radio. Hmm. Um, did you approach Jeff or, or do you remember approaching someone about doing the soundtrack show? Uh, Cause obviously this was something that you had in mind. How did you get that on the air? I spoke to Barbara. He's Walter said, speak to Barbara because she's the program director. So I spoke to Barbara. I told her my idea of doing, and first she said, let's, let's do a half hour show. And I remember, I believe the first show was, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was either epic film scores of the 1950s. And Bernard Herman, we did two shows, Bernard Herman at, and films directed by Alfred Hitchcock music from those particular films. And, epic film scores of the 1950s. So we did, you know, I would play, like I would announce the, the opening of the show and then we would play a selection and I would d- mention the title of that selection, who wrote it, then we go to the next selection. So we did in half an hour, it was maybe four or five or six cuts. Mm-hmm. And I remember something where I, I said something about the aforementioned something and my one of my brothers was listening to the program and says, and the aforementioned, so I, like I got ripped on the word <laughs> aforementioned. Um, but that was really the start of, it was the idea. I said, let's, let's try it. Let's try the, the weekly show. She actually gave me, um, it wasn't really constructive criticism. It was more like, uh, don't do that again. There was one half hour where I devoted the whole half hour to Alex North's score to a streetcar named Desire. And what I did was I announced first, played a 25 minute suite and then did the, um, back announcement. And that was the end of the, of the program. She says, don't do that again. Don't don't play a whole half hour of music without any, you know, there's no interaction between the um, 25 minutes. But that would change. That would change. You know, I would do four or five or maybe six selections in a half an hour. And then we went to an hour with the Easter special. We did an hour of films devoted to Easter, the epic film scores, epics, you know, like Easter Parade. We did King of Kings, mm-hmm. Ben-Hur, Covatis. Um, it was actually like a combination Easter Passover because then we threw in Ten Commandments in there and Ben Hur, but that was when we went to an hour. Mm, very interesting. And and how how long were you at the station before you proposed this idea? Was it relatively soon, or were you there for a while? It was soon. It was soon because I rem- I b- believe, as I recall, we started doing the show in '85, and I had just come to the college uh, in '80, the fall of '84. 
So it was like 85 um, was really like the start of the half hour show. You know, I had done announcing for a couple of months and then I had the idea and I went to Barbara with it and then we went, you know, start with the half hour. Mm-hmm. And she engineered actually because I still ha- never learned to engineer. Um, but she actually engineered the first few shows. Uh, it sounds like a very interesting program and, 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 and I'd love to hear more about it, but I, I, I want to kind of go back to, you know, those, those, you, you, we have the benefit of hindsight. This obviously meant something to you. You've continued these interests over the years. Um, but when, when you first got down to the station after you had seen Walter and Barbara and you decide I'm going to go to the radio station, what did you, what did you hope it would be? What were your ideas or expectations for the station? I, you know, at the p- time, it was just, well, this is this is broadcasting. I'm, I, again, I'm thinking along the lines of what I remember hearing on radio. And, you know, this is before I even knew of Howard Stern. I know he was broadcasting at this time. I didn't hear him. But it was more or less like I can, you know, I can be an announcer, announce the news, announce the classical uh, programming. So it was also, you know, another thing is I was listening to WQXR a lot. So mm-hmm. I had this vision that, oh, maybe I can bring that to the table here of, you know, the announcers I heard on WQXR, that's the classical music station. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't listening to WNCN as much, but cl- that was primarily my, my feeling was I can bring that to the table. It's like, wow, I can bring classical music. This is classical music programming. I could be an announcer, but this could be like WQXR, even though it wasn't fully classical programming, but that's how I felt is when I started doing it, I would do the, you know, the announcing of the news, and then I would say, and now in this next half hour, we have it. And you know, I would go over the selections of what we had. Um, there was a lot of, like, the way we got the information from a lot of the recordings is that we had the album covers right. back then. So, you know, you had everything at your fingertips. You had the album. You know, now we stream, and it's, you know, you either look it up online. But then, you know, you had the album covers, and then you would say, oh, this is conducted by James Levine and the Vienna Philharmonic. And we had this and this. And then, like you mentioned, I mentioned birthdays, so which I do right. to this day on Facebook. You know, today is Bedrick Smetana's birthday. And with that celebration, let's hear uh, the overture t- or the, you know, Malvalst. It would be uh, the Maldau from Malvalst. Or if it's um, Mikhail Glinker's birthday, uh, Trist- um, Ruslan and Ludmilla's overture. So you, you'd bring in like these little bits of trivia along with the music. But everything was there. So you felt very comfortable because you had all the information, all the information in front of you. It, it sounds like you made made good use of it. I, I know myself, I feel like I get a four-year education just reading jazz records and, yeah. and rock records in the studio as, as, as you're doing a show. And sometimes during the classics or sometimes playing a tape show, you just grab a couple of records and read. And, and there's so much amazing information there. That's the thing with any, any, I mean, especially, you know, with CDs also, the booklet, you have all this yeah. information about, and be, you, know, you might not be familiar with the composer or the artist at first, but, you know, like, for example, I, at the library, I do these binge boxes where I put C, three, three um, related CDs together, and then we created a catalog number for that binge box. It's very popular now with videos, with DVDs, hmm. but, you know, like I'll put a Beatles, a Rolling Stones, um, and maybe a Dave Clark five or something together. And like you read the CD booklet and there's a lot of information there, a lot of notes, maybe more so now. I think we've come, we've come so far with recordings where there's more trivia, there's more information yeah. Yeah. than there used to be. Well, well, this has been a tremendous amount of fun. I, I, I've got 
so many more questions and I hope you have some more stories, but uh, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk with us and share your time at, uh, at, at Hofstra radio. Thank you. My pleasure.